Early childhood education is gaining increasing attention in this region, thanks in part to the efforts of United Way of Southwest Virginia. Part of the increased focus is due to the regional need for greater workforce development. Today, we explore the connection between early childhood education and a sustainable workforce. And we will talk about an upcoming Rural Summit for Resilience hosted by United Way. I am joined in this discussion by Travis Staten, who is President and CEO of United Way of Southwest Virginia, and Scott Robertson, who is the organization's Director of Marketing and Communications. First, let's talk about this idea of early childhood education and why it has become, Travis, an important priority for United Way. Well, United Way of Southwest Virginia has really tried to position itself over the last couple of years to really develop and create one of the best workforces in America right here in Southwest Virginia. And we've often heard folks say, well, if you wait till high school, it's too late. Well, you wait till middle school, it's too late because they got to read proficiently by third grade. Well, if you wait to third grade, it's too late. So when you think about really building that workforce, and how a continuum would look in that space from what we would refer to as cradle to career, we're kind of going all the way up to the the minus nine space Mm -hmm. where we are working uh, with all kinds of different organizations uh, collectively to really make sure that more children enter kindergarten ready to succeed. And how we do that is very complex and is really unique, but it is part of a bigger picture of building a continuum that then grows into another area such as reading proficiency, such as career awareness and academic success in middle school and high school, and then post-secondary education and a job. So if, if you really want to build that workforce of tomorrow, you've got to be involved in all aspects of that continuum. And we have a lot of work going on in the early childhood space And research shows us that the return on the investment is far greater at the earlier part of the continuum. And then further down that continuum you go, the bigger and larger and more complex challenges become, more expensive, and the return on that investment starts to shrink more. So it's it's stated right now in research for every dollar invested in early childhood education, typically can yield about seven to eight dollars of return mm-hmm. versus further down that continuum the returns are are not as as much so what we're putting in early childhood education is really uh, an investment for our community and our region toward that bigger picture of producing that workforce of tomorrow well this was highlighted at a recent conference of the Appalachian Regional Commission and the first lady um, was a part of that and she praise the work that you're doing through this. Let's talk a little bit then about why the sudden focus, I guess, at least publicly on what you're doing. Are you doing something that's different in the in this way that's making a, a larger difference than what you might have done in the past? Well, there's, there's all kinds of different uh, projects and initiatives that are working in this space of what we would refer to as our childhood success department. Um, in doing that, when you think about if you're wanting to increase kindergarten readiness. You've got to think about where children come from before kindergarten. So we find in Southwest Virginia, historically, there were uh, a lack of early childhood education providers, a lack of child care, a lack of quality child care, uh, some child care. 
we found sometimes it wasn't accessible, it wasn't affordable, and, and all these different challenges that kind of impact that end result of, of when a child enters kindergarten, if they're ready and prepared. Mm-hmm. So when we think about it in a couple of different buckets, one is, is child care available? Is it accessible? United Way of Southwest Virginia was fortunate to partner with the Appalachian Regional Commission a couple of years ago, where in the western part of Southwest Virginia, we had some counties and communities that actually had zero licensed child care providers. Over a 24-month period, United Way of Southwest Virginia worked with the commission and the resources, and we were able to bring on 10 new licensed child care providers in the western part of our region where some communities never even had a licensed provider before. So one area you've got to think, is it is it available? Is it uh, even existent in a community? Once it's existent, is it affordable? Is it accessible? Part of bringing those centers into licensure and creating that was in Virginia, if you're a licensed child care provider, you are eligible for subsidy from the State Department of Social Services. What that means is that a low-income working person that needs child care in the normal market may not be able to afford it on their own. Through the subsidy program, Department of Social Services can help chip in with that caregiver or with that parent and cover some of those costs, but the the center has to be a licensed and regulated center by the state. So not only did we create new slots and accessibility for children to have care, but we also made it easier for people to work and be able to afford child care. So that was a crucial piece as well. Well, I think it's great that you are addressing the issue in this way and having that success. But the question that I think is begged then is, why are we doing it now? Uh, I think it was interesting that the the First Lady, Pamela Northern, we're talking about the First Lady of Virginia, pointed out that, well, everybody loves children and why wouldn't we want to support them? But I wonder if, in Southwest Virginia at least, if we haven't cared for children in the way that we should, in the way that you're describing, are we late to the game? How do we compare with other regions and other states in providing the kind of care that you're talking about? Well, I think you've got to kind of go back and look backwards to answer that question. And you look at uh, the culture of Southwest Virginia and thinking about the the later days of the old historical, the men go to work and the wives stay at home and raise the kids. And now, even with a lot of economies changing, job opportunities changing, the empowerment of women to be able to be part of the workforce, and that's really has changed uh, in our region, I think. And it is an opportunity that we have to make sure that that child care supply is accessible and available. I don't think it was that we did not appreciate or understand the importance of early childhood. I think it was mostly around historical uh, events, but also typically you've got to think about in rural communities. Mm-hmm. It's much more complicated. One of the biggest challenges in rural communities is transportation. So if I have a neighbor that could watch my child, that's more likely to happen than me drive my child 15 minutes into the city to have that child care. So when you think about the service area of United Way of Southwest Virginia, it's 7,000 square miles. That's a lot of ground to cover. 
And because our community and our region is so not densely populated, it makes it hard for the accessibility of early childhood educators in the physical facility type service. And we're not just talking about child care. We are talking about child education because I think you have described the long game that we're looking at because if we're talking about workforce development, we're not just talking about you know, getting mothers or women back in the workforce so that they have child care. We're talking about educating children so that they're more eligible at, over the long run to be part of a more productive workforce. Is that what you're also aiming for? Absolutely. So there's kind of twofold to the equation. One, sure, we meet an, a now need that people can remain gainfully employed. If they have young children that aren't in the public school systems and they need a safe, reliable place for their child to be cared for, that helps. But most importantly, the quality of those environments, what is happening at those facilities and at those centers are such a great investment for our region and our community. More than 90% of a child's brain actually develops before the age of five. Outside of dollars and investment in human capital and time and energy, those are the most critical years of a human's creation and, and start. And there is so much going on during that space that children really need quality, supportive relationships and environments in order to get that good start. Well, there's a whole lot of questions only in that area that I want to ask you, but we need to go to a break first. But before we do that, I want to bring Scott in on the conversation and talk a little bit about the Rural Summit for Resilience that's coming up and talk about how this whole discussion about workforce development and early childhood education works into that. Well, we've got a couple of tracks in that summit. There is uh, a track that is about workforce development that focuses more on uh, the high school age student uh, in getting them uh, their world connected to the worlds of the employers. There's also an early childhood education track uh, in there, and it's it's all brought in under the, uh, the umbrella of uh, the concept of resilience. Uh, we're going to have, uh, you mentioned the Appalachia Regional Commission earlier, the federal co-chair, uh, Gail Connolly Manchin, uh, will be the morning keynote speaker for this, and she's going to talk about some of the opportunities that we had talked about at that uh, ARC meeting in St. Paul uh, regarding early childhood education and how Southwest Virginia is modeling this in a way that the rest of the state, the rest of Appalachia, could learn from in terms of collaboration. Uh, as Travis mentioned, we're looking at, uh, I think, uh, 21 local governments in, uh, in our service area between counties and uh, cities and towns, 7,000 square miles of Southwest Virginia. The collaboration that's happened here uh, to grow these programs that Travis has been talking about uh, is, is a model. And you'll see that October 28th at the Rural Resilience Summit. I encourage everyone to visit theruralsummit.org. That's T-H-E, ruralsummit.org. And that is an online event. Thank you for sharing that. We're going to talk a little bit more about that after the break. I want to also talk Again, as I said, Travis, about the whole idea of early childhood education, because I have some areas that I want to explore in that. And at the same time, I want to remind our listeners that they are listening to Together to Get There, the show dedicated to economic and community development in Southwest Virginia. I am talking to Travis Staten. He is the president and CEO 
CEO of United Way of Southwest Virginia, and I am also talking to Scott Robertson, who is the Director of Marketing and Communications for United Way. You are also listening to WHC 90.7, the voice of Southwest Virginia. Support for Together to Get There comes from People Incorporated, one of the largest community action agencies in the country. For 55 years, People Incorporated has helped communities and individuals build good futures and realize their dreams. Welcome back to Together to Get There. Today we are talking about early childhood education and early childhood care and workforce development in Southwest Virginia. And my guests today are Travis Staten. He is the president and CEO of United Way of Southwest Virginia and Scott Robertson, who is the director of marketing and communications for United Way. Travis, I want to talk a little bit more then about early childhood education and pick up on what Scott was saying about collaboration, too, as it relates to the things you are trying to accomplish through the summit. But how much do you work with school systems and educators and education and what you're trying to accomplish for early childhood education? Every part of our portfolio and efforts in early childhood education are done collectively uh, with several organizations through public and private partnerships. Today, we're serving around 213 independent child care providers, working with more than 600 child care classrooms, even counting within our public school systems, working with more than 1,000 educators, probably serving almost 10,000 children and families through these initiatives. So working in partnership with early child care providers as well as our public school systems is a crucial piece local governments, business community, uh, chambers of commerce, everyone is kind of involved in our work and part of our coalitions. All of uh, Virginia public school systems have the opportunity for an initiative called VPI, which is the Virginia Preschool Initiative, where public institutions can offer preschool uh, to low-income families or children of need in public settings. So that's helped create some accessibility in our region over the few years, and we've had some great partnerships where we're working to support those efforts, to expand those efforts, but also to make sure that they're of quality as well. In working with these partners, do you get a sense of what needs to be prioritized in addressing this issue? Are they saying we need things like uh, uh, better outreach to parents, uh, higher pay for teachers, those kinds of things. Are you getting a sense of what people on the ground think are the best ways to address early childhood education to kind of reach the goals for a, a, a long-term, more sustainable workforce? Yeah, child care has lots of complexities. Mm -hmm. And one example is the workforce behind uh, the early childhood system the teachers that are in these settings working directly one-on-one -on -one with students, uh, it's unfortunate they're often some of the lowest paid educators in our country. Uh, when you think about an early childhood educator, their job, their responsibility, and them working directly with these children and the importance of that, but yet many earn minimum wage or just a little bit over minimum wage, that 
is often a challenge uh, to employ that workforce in those jobs and those occupations. It is not babysitting. There is a lot of work that is done in early education. Uh, and there's a lot of under misunderstanding, I would say, of, of what those teachers do and how important they are in their role and occupation. So I think we have often talked about other communities that have what is referred to as childcare deserts. We have often said, hey, we can go in like we did with the Appalachian Regional Commission. We can stand up child care centers and find facilities and create that accessibility. And then we would dig into the situation deeper and say, well, it's not facilities that they need. It's not parents that they need. They don't have the teachers. Mm -hmm. uh, when you think about a workforce that can go to a retail occupation and make a third higher than what they would in a tough, complex classroom environment, uh, that is the challenge. And that is something that we are working to address. Uh, we are working to help retain teachers, grow teachers, uh, and make sure that we have a qualified workforce in that space that is also well understood and appreciated for the importance of the job that they deliver. Well, as you're speaking, you are on a college campus that has a teacher education program. You're also on a college campus that emphasizes careers in a wide variety of areas, but it's working on the kind of workforce development that is more professional, more highly educated. I wonder if we should be thinking about solutions that kind of flip the whole dynamic, where there are more professionals, more educated people who are working at the early stages of childhood development and education so that it's a, a smoother transition into other careers later on in life. It seems like we focus so much, uh, and I hate to say this because I'm employed by an institution of higher education, but we focus a lot on higher education, in including in the resources that we devote to it through government, and not so much, from what I understand, in early childhood education. Are you willing to advocate for that kind of realignment of resources? Yes, I think that that conversation is ripe. Uh, it's there more than ever before. And, and unfortunate that COVID really helped shine the light on this vulnerability of communities and having a workforce in early childhood education that can really work to serve uh, students and produce these outcomes. It's When we think about the business model, a lot of these providers, they're not publicly funded. They're small business operations. We have programs and initiatives where we are working to enhance and build the credentials of these teachers. But if a teacher makes minimum wage and, and then we increase their credential, in most occupations, you would expect a raise or a salary increase. Well, if teachers receive raises and salary increases, often in early childhood settings, that cost is then passed down to the end user, which is the parent. Mm -hmm. So when you live in a region that unfortunately has its fair share of low occupation jobs, mm -hmm. a parent can't afford another $25, $50 a week for childcare in addition to the $125 they're paying because that teacher now has extra credentials. So the financing model is really something that is 
complex and that really needs to be addressed in the early education space. I think that is now happening at a national level. There's talk about universal Mm pre-K. At a state level, Virginia has really focused in, even legislatively with the General Assembly, into investing in early childhood education. So there's there's a lot of things in the works, but it is definitely the conversation that needs to be happening is how do we provide these accessible, safe, quality environments, but how do we financially make them work Mm -hmm. for everyone, for the end user, for the child, for the parent, and for the educator as well? Do you think Richmond is dedicated to it? I mean, we talked earlier about Pamela Northern being down here and praising the work that you're doing. Is it going to be more than lip service that you can expect from the state government and not just from you know, the dev- Democratic governor, but perhaps even our re- Republican legislators to address this problem more seriously? Yeah, I think bipartisanly both uh, parties are interested in this issue. It is uh, an education issue. It is an economic development issue. It's an issue in so many aspects. With our support from the First Lady, as well as the the General Assembly, investing in early childhood education, we have seen significant gains in our work and what we've been able to do and the expanding of our support and technical assistance to these early child care providers, strengthening that system, helping create more slots, helping create more uh, providers, but also helping teachers have better pay at that. During the pandemic, we were fortunate enough to be able to even provide uh, stipends to teachers as essential workers that didn't get to work remotely, that didn't get to get behind a computer, that still had a classroom uh, at an early childhood center to run. We were able to provide them some financial support for that during that that uh, pandemic, and you know. The, the one comment that was made from those early educators, it was just, it was nice to feel appreciated. And I think for so long, folks have considered this just babysitting. And now I think research is really shown these are important critical years of, the, of human development. These areas need investment, but also we've got to figure out the business model to how this works and is affordable for all. Good. I want to take the conversation then back to Scott and talk about this in the context of the Rural Summit for Resilience, which is October 28th. Scott, tell me a little bit about what the, who the speakers are and the topics that are going to be specifically focused on to address early childhood education and uh, workforce development. Sure. Well, when we're looking first at the track that we're referring to is kindergarten readiness uh, in the summit, uh, we'll have... uh, talk from several education leaders uh, in Virginia, Dr. Rebecca Isbell, Chris Myers, Laura Inazzo, uh, and uh, Dr. Rochelle Washington, uh, who, uh, if you haven't heard those names before, you're probably not in education, and that's fine, but you'll still get a lot out of this. Um, One of the uh, discussions will be on Virginia's new unified quality measurement an improvement system, which is a mouthful, but what it basically means is the state has come to understand that when you have uh, a child in an early childhood education setting, it's important that the quality of education be there, regardless of whether it's a a high-priced Northern Virginia center or 
a, uh, an entrepreneur, a woman operating out of her own home, uh, a small child care center in rural southwest Virginia. Uh, and so there is a system that's going into place now where you have, uh, I won't say a unified curriculum because there are multiple curricula that can be uh, used in this, but you can work hard to guarantee that someone's uh, zip code does not determine the quality of the early childhood education they'll receive. That's, that's just one sample of what will be at the summit. We're out of time right now, but I do want to give the last word here to Travis to talk about the summit and what your goals are for it and why you think it's important at this point to bring people in a conversation around the topics that the summit will be dealing with. Sure. So uh, we all know in Southwest Virginia, we have our fair share of challenges, but we are so innovative in this region and so collaborative. And we're, we're willing to, to roll up our sleeves. I think everybody that lives in this community wants what's best for our community. But sometimes we need to know the right steps and the right practices and approaches to solving these complex issues. So the purpose of the Rural Resilience Summit really gives us the opportunity to bring subject matter experts that can help us solve problems and help us identify solutions and best practices to, to improve our communities into our region. And if everyone kind of went on their own and said, we'd like to bring in this speaker, uh, it wouldn't be as cost effective. So the purpose of this summit really was to give us the opportunity to combine resources together, bring in these subject matter experts at an affordable cost to the region, but share that message, that knowledge and expertise across all 21 localities. And because of this summit, we have been able to bring in lots of experts over the last two years to really help us identify best practices and solutions to solving some of the complex issues in our region. Travis Staten is the president and CEO of United Way of Southwest Virginia, and Scott Robertson is the director of marketing and communications for United Way. Thank you both for being here, and good luck with the summit. Thank you. Thank you. You have been listening to Together to Get There, the show dedicated to community and economic development in Southwest Virginia. I am your host, Dirk Moore. You are also listening to WEHC 90.7, the voice of Southwest Virginia. 